Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Well, Wild Card Weekend is finally here. We could not be more excited. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Judah Newby. Game Plan Podcast Playoff Edition. As we have hit 2019, the Seattle Seahawks and Dallas Cowboys will meet Saturday at 515 on Fox and on Sports Radio 102.9-750. The game, Perkins. Playoff football finally here. And uh, how's your excitement level? Is it Has it been building up all week like mine? It has. Like, I'm thinking about it more today than I was earlier in the week when we recorded our, our kind of regular season recap podcast. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm still not feeling nerves yet. Okay. And that will happen tomorrow, I'm sure. I think so. But yeah. I'm not really feeling nervous. And it's not because I'm like arrogant thinking, oh, there's no way Seattle loses. It's more, again, I'm just pretty relaxed about the season overall. And I'm trying really hard to <laughs> just kind of enjoy it as much as I can. But Dude, just the wild card weekend, man. You've worked for this 17 weeks. I'm excited. I'm, yeah. I'm excited in that regard, and it's re- it's always better when your team is in the dance. It always is. And a couple of 10-win teams, Seattle the 5-seed, Dallas the 4-seed. Um, you know, I'll go ahead and, and share off the top that I'm going to pick the Seahawks to win this football game, kind of take the— uh, Spoiler alert. To take the luster out of it, but— I think part of it is I need to do that for myself because as we talk <laughs> through this football game, it will help me uh, uh, get closer to the realization that the Cowboys very well could and some would argue should win this football game too, considering that they are favorites by two, two and a half points. Um, but this is going to be a really, really strong matchup between two teams built similarly and that they like to run the football and play good defense. They do, and they're a different team at home, too, this year, Dallas, than they have been in years past. Um, you know, they're top 10 in both offense and defense when playing at home, so they're, they're you know, clearly Dak is is more comfortable uh, playing under the dome than on the road, so that's, I think, a big difference as well and um, a, a big advantage for Dallas in this game, more so than I feel like we would say in years past in the new stadium, which kind of almost felt like a road atmosphere for them from time to time. Right. We'll get to a matchup zone or remember when. We'll also get to our picks and some game note theory with uh, Brian Perkins. Some news and notes. Seattle mostly healthy for this football game, but Pete Carroll sharing on Thursday. JR Sweezy still questionable. JR is telling the coaching staff that he feels good. He's ready to go. But Pete's saying, hey, we got to make sure that he looks the part and he can bend all the right way and do all the movements that we need to see. And uh, he should be ready to play in this football game. Um, huge. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, Seattle, you know, that they've, you know, got the guys that they have, they've lost already, but Bradley McDougal back playing, playing healthy, playing good ball. That's always big, big for them in the back end. Tedrick and Tedrick, which is also significant for them. It's good for depth. Yeah. Anything else. Yeah. And we'll keep Posick hopefully off the uh, offensive line, but he did play a little bit better. Well, assuming that they all, all three of those guys come back. So if Eddie moves, shifts back over to the right tackle position, you have, Fluker back, and you have Sweezy. Is that that makes Fant then your next uh, man up? Hopefully, yeah. And, and look, <laughs> trust me, they want to play Fant the as the tackle eligible. You know, for a lot of power run situations, um, which has been successful for them in the past. It was successful for them in postseasons past 2013. I remember they they played a lot of uh, tackle eligible to, to run the football. I'm trying to remember the the lineman Alvin Bailey was was, yeah, was Alvin Bailey and he was another lineman. He was a mauler too. He was big guy. He was. Yeah. In fact, it, it, I don't know why I'm remembering this now, but it, it was a big part of their beating San Francisco in the championship game. 
Give us a George Fant touchdown yeah. in this game. <laughs> George Fant touchdown. Hell, if Gary Gilliam can do it. <laughs> Why can't Michael Dixon find a George Fant for a touchdown? Um, if you look at some DVOA numbers, you look at uh, where Seattle ranks at the end of the year. They rank 12th, and the Dallas Cowboys ranked 21st. Um, so, you know, advantage for Seattle there. Offensive DVOA numbers, uh, Seattle checked in at 12th again. Actually, no, they're ninth in offensive DVOA this year. Pretty surprising ranking there. Dallas is 24th in offensive DVOA. Dallas is ninth in defensive DVOA, and your Seattle Seahawks are 14th. So, DVOA favors the Seahawks from just an overall standpoint in this game, which is notable to me. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> sorry. I, the, the, DVO is a, is a great stat yeah. and a great metric. Seattle defensively has been, I mean, up and down the freaking scale, haven't they, in mm. terms of DVOA this year? I mean, you look at it and, uh, you know, they were number one, I think, at one point this season. Um, and then they've slid, you know, down to about a, a middling defense, which is still, I think, better than a lot of people expected this year. Right. And they're opportunistic. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, the DVOA metrics clearly favor Seattle. But, you know, I mean, defensively, I think Seattle still, if they don't produce takeaways, there's a lot of problems defensively for this team. Are you surprised that Seattle finished the year ninth in offensive DVOA? Yes. Are you? Surprise is not higher. No. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, how much of that do we need to give Brian Schottenheimer credit for knowing what he's doing? How much of that is exceptional coaching and run play guided by Mike Solari? And how much of that is the exceptional play of, of Russell Wilson? Did Brian Schottenheimer prove us wrong is my question. I'm not personally ready to say that. I think Russell Wilson did a lot of great things this year in bad situations. Um, not, not that he was in a bad situation the entire season, but you know what I mean, where uh, maybe you're backed up. Um, but, I mean, I can even think of the game against Arizona where they they ran it. It was like a false start. And they run it on first and 15. Then they ran it again on second and fifth, on like second and 14. And it was like third and 12. And he, he dumps it off to Ed Dixon, right? For like a – or was that the Kansas City game? I can't even remember now. It was like a he dumps it off to Ed Dixon after kind of moving around in the pocket, makes a great play, makes a great find to get that first down. KC, yeah. You know, I that's just kind of one of those scenarios where you kind of look like, man, that's a bad situation to be in. But uh, Russell Wilson was able to use his mobility, shiftiness, and vision to find the right guy, and Dixon makes the play as well. So I think that uh, it's a little bit of both. I think Schottenheimer came in, and after the first few weeks, they decided this is going to be our identity. We're going to run the football, and they stuck with it. They bucked the trend. And guess what? Clearly something went right because they ended up top 10 in offensive DVOA. Chris Carson, NFC Offensive Player of the Week, um, shows that, you know, or Offensive Player of the Month, I should say, for the month of December, five games, uh, over 500 yards rushing, eight touchdowns, really came on strong. And tell you what, man, that's the recipe for success. And guess what? Rashad Penny, ready to rock in this game, healthy, ready to go. Um, You know, same could be said for... uh, Mike Davis, so they, they've got the stable of running backs. Trey Madden not available for this game. They do, and I have a few stats about that as well. But man, Carson has had one hell of a year. <sighs> that he has. All right, let's, uh, with that, start talking Seahawks-Cowboys with our matchup zone. Brian Perkins, you can uh, pick out any number of these, but go ahead and uh, tee us off. I'm a little generic with a few of these. 
but that's because there are some stats included. But I'm going to start with the Seahawks defensive line versus the Cowboys on third down. Okay? And let me tell you why. The Seattle, as we know, right, in the Pete Carroll era in general, they don't blitz a ton, right? You always wonder, like, what would Bobby Wagner's career sack rate be if he was allowed to blitz a little bit more than he has throughout his career, right? Because he's he's so powerful and has so much speed. That being said, the Seahawks lead the league in sacks on third down with 27 Wow, so far this season. The Cowboys, a proficient offense at home, top 10 in the league when they're playing at home, but if you can stop these guys on third down, I think you're going to, well, obviously, it's an obvious thing, but if you can sack Dak Prescott or at least make him uncomfortable, I think you're going to find a lot of success defensively and force a turnover. I got to agree with that. I'll borrow one of that. I just saw the first-team All-Pros were announced today. Zach Martin of the Cowboys named a first-team All-Pro. I know a lot of that's his ability as a guard in the run game, but a guy we mentioned on Wednesday's podcast, Jaron Reed, being the interior presence, I think, you know, him, Shamar Stephan, um, you know, Apuna, Ford, all these guys on the interior are going to be asked to plug up the middle as best as possible, number one, against the run, and then try to make life difficult on Dak in the pass game as well. Can you get pressure up the middle? That, that That's so difficult for a quarterback to deal with when he's got pressure in his face. Cowboys do have a first-teamer at, at guard in Zach Martin, but can Jaron Reed make that happen? Reed against Martin. Uh, is matchup number one for me. It's a big one. Also, I'm going to go a little spy versus spy spy here. Seahawks red zone versus Dallas red zone. Huge disparity between these two teams in their red zone offense. Seattle, one of the best teams in the league. Uh, they're eighth in the league in scoring a touchdown when they get in the red zone. 65% of the time they score a touchdown when in the red zone. Up, by the way, almost 10% from last year. Wow. So you want to talk about one stat that might uh, be what put them over the top and got them to 10 wins instead of the nine last season. Maybe that's one of them. Dallas, 29th in the league, scoring a TD just 48% of the time in the red zone. Hmm. So, again, we know how good Seattle has been typically red zone defense-wise, being able to tighten up and force teams into field goal situations. Can they do that again against Dallas? Can they stop Zeke enough? and slow him down enough to create uh, and force Dak into passing situations in the red zone. And then on the other side, can Russell Wilson continue to do what he's done and find success with uh, him and Chris Carson in the red zone, being able to find pay dirt? My second matchup, uh, Seattle running the football against Dallas's run defense. Seattle, best team in the league statistically, 160 yards a game. Dallas, fifth best defense against the run, allowing 96 yards a lot per game. Uh, this could be big. This is going to be big. I mean, uh, Dallas, give them credit on their defensive line and their linebacking crew, but uh, Seattle's got to still be able to get those gains on first down, get three and a half yards on first down running the football. I'm talking about the unsexy gains. Those have to be three and a half yards or three yards better. You know, the, the second and eight to, to second and nine, maybe even second 11, you know, got to limit the, the, the loss of the loss yardage plays. Um, and I'm telling you what, Dallas is very, very good against the run. Uh, Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, those dudes, they can run. They can play ball. Van Der Esch, yep. Remember week three, we had a good conversation about them. He was all over the place. He was all over the place game. in week three? I mean, and this yeah. kid's a rookie. We saw him yeah. we didn't, I didn't even know who the hell he was until that Seahawks game. Yeah, he terrorized the Oregon Ducks in the Vegas Bowl. That's right. For Boise that's State. Right. Um, you know, that's a that's a really great story. I mean, he's, yeah. he's and he's a great player, but... I do think, you know, Seattle still has to get the unsexy runs consistently. And if they do that, then at least you'll have enough momentum to get Penny in there and maybe get one of those dance around the line of scrimmage, break it open, get a 35-yard yeah. or get you into scoring range. Yeah. 
Well, and the the way they want to play their offense, right? You have to you have to be able to to find a way to do that. Yeah, need need the play action to be there for sure. My third matchup zone, I'm going to go with. Uh, you mentioned Jaron Reed, Zach Martin. I'm going to kind of go the other way. Jermaine Fetty, Demarcus Lawrence. Woo. Lawrence, another good year. Not a, necessarily a great year by his standards, I don't think, but he's had a good year. Ten and a half sacks, which, by the way, far eclipses any other pass rusher they've had. Their next closest is six uh, sacks on the season. Um, we know and we saw how much Seattle's offense struggles when Russell Wilson gets sacked based on the style of football that they want to play. We saw it firsthand last week against Arizona. Afedi sliding back to that right tackle. You have Fluker back there on that right side of the line as well. Are they going to be able to slow down the pass rush, and especially Lawrence, who's – I mean, by far their best defensive lineman. Yeah, that that's a good one. And he's really good. I got I mean, I really want to just go with Doug Baldwin now. I mean, whoever's guarding Doug is gonna be is a tough task. Um, but Dallas, if they're gonna be vulnerable, it's to the deep pass. And Lockett might be a good guy to target there. But really Russell Wilson's deep ball against anybody in that Dallas secondary. Yeah. It's gonna be tough. But I do think Doug being healthy, being ready to go, he said this week there's no excuses. Um not that he really needed to make any. I, I I just think he was such a big factor in the KC game. Receivers are going to have to make some plays. I look at number 89, the veteran spice of life there for Seattle on the outside. He's been in so many big games, as has T-Lock now, but Baldwin even more so. Baldwin, make make some plays for us in this game. He mentioned he feels good this week, too. Mm. Feels like he's ready to go. All right. That's it. Well, matchup zone. I feel like we just got started talking about this game. Um, let's uh, do a little uh, matchup uh, or a little game note theory with Brian Perkins. What stands out to you? A couple of things. First of all, uh, the Seahawks are now the first team since the 2001 Steelers to have a 1,000-yard rusher and two other rushers with at least 300 yards. Wow. Which 2001 uh, Steelers? 2001 Steelers. Which so, again, Jerome? Yeah. God, do do you know that? the other guys? No, I don't. Okay. That's a good question. Let's look it up really fast. Those are fun guys. I mean, but that speaks to, while you're looking that up, doesn't that speak a lot to the era of football that, I mean, think about the type of football that was played in 2001 compared to 2018. Yeah. In a pass-heavy league where the rules tend to favor the pass, Seattle has bucked the trend uh, to a certain extent and gone old school, and it's worked for them to 10 wins this year, but pretty impressive. Cordell Stewart ran for 537 yards. Amos Saraway, that is a throwback. He ran for 441. Chris Fuomatuma Afala ran for 453 as well. So they actually had a 1,000-yard rusher and three <laughs> other rushers that ran for at least 440 yards. That's Good crazy. God. Yeah. Bill Cower team right there. <laughs> Classic Cower. Classic. Classic. What else? We mentioned You mentioned Jaron Reed earlier. Frank Clark and Jaron Reed have combined for 24 and a half sacks. They're the first Seahawk teammates to record that many sacks in a season since Mike McCary and Mike Sinclair. Wow. Had really? 26 and a half as a pair of teammates back in 1996. Man. 22 seasons ago. The podcast was just getting started back then. <laughs> so Grant Wistrom and Bryce Fisher never got there, huh? Somehow. <laughs> Not to that level. Julian Peterson and. <laughs> Daryl Tapp. Daryl Tapp. <laughs> and Aaron Curry never got there. Never got huh? there. Aaron Curry, classic. Um, some postseason stats for you. Seahawks 16 and 15 all time in the playoffs. 12 and 2 at home. Seattle is above 500 in the playoffs now. Amazing. <laughs> Anything can happen, folks. <laughs> Anything is possible. Believe in yourself. 12 and 2 at home, 3 and 11 on the road. All right. Fair. This postseason. Two, two of those. 
since 2012. Uh, <laughs> they were one and probably 11 on the road. Yeah, I don't. Even, I thought they didn't even have a road win before they beat uh, Washington for oh, some did. reason. Yeah, they or they, maybe they hadn't had one like in on the East Coast or something. They had never beat. Well, it had been since 83. They beat Miami. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They beat Marino. So that was their, yeah, that must have been their first road win, though. Oh, yeah. It was their only one. Yeah. It was their only road playoff win. Yeah. And then Washington was two, and uh, Minnesota, Minnesota was three. Minnesota was three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Go Hawks. This postseason, Seattle's coaching staff has a combined 320 games of playoff experience. Also, coaching experience or, or playoff play? experience in general played playing and, and coaching that's oh, because Ken Norton played in like a million playoff games. Ken Norton and they also Ken Norton and Larry Izzo who is the assistant yeah. special teams coach Larry Izzo are two of 22 players in history to win a Super Bowl as a player and as a coach 22 two of 22 players pretty good props Ed Dixon is the most seasoned postseason veteran on the Seahawks roster didn't he win one in Baltimore? Yeah, he won a Super Bowl in Baltimore, and he went to one with the Panthers. Yeah, and he was on our podcast at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Imagine he's, that. He's <laughs> Funny how that works. Yeah. He's played in 14 playoff games, which is a lot. Baltimore and Carolina, yeah. I mean, he's one of the most successful Duck careers um, from, in from terms an, of longevity. And NFL things. success, yeah. Yeah. Patrick Chung's up there, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's won a few Super Bowls, Patrick Chung has. Yes, he has. Playing for Bill that long? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. 28 players. Do on- <laughs> your job. No days off. off. No days off. It's one of my favorite moments it's of all time. When they're at the parade? Yeah, they're at the parade. Literally at the parade celebrate <laughs> with people missing work. And he says, no, no days off. off. God, I love that man. I wish he would have just said, and we're on to training camp. Yeah, we're on to training camp. We're on to OTAs. We're on to the <laughs> celebration of Barney's. <laughs> 28 players on the Seattle's 53-man roster do not have any playoff experience. Okay. <laughs> I was sure where that was. Okay, so. It's a lot. 23 It's over do? half of their. Yeah. That's over half of their roster. I don't know how to count. Which is surprising. 25 do, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 25. Yeah, 23 would be 51. So over half the roster doesn't have playoff experience. Yep. Okay. Just six players remain from the last time the Seahawks were in the Super Bowl. Let me guess. Russell Hustle, Bustle, Man, Muscle, Wilson. Douglas. Tyler. Sweezy. (laughs) Sweezy, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um two two left two left jaron no um robert wagner of course <laughs> robert wagner and not john ryan brit yeah justin brit Played in that 2014 Super Bowl against the Patriots. Wow. We're going to do some hashtag research right now. Hashtag research. I'm pretty sure it was Britt. There's no, only one, I mean, is there anyone else on defense that's a holdover? I can't think of one. Yep, second round of the 20, oh, second round of the 2014 draft. Yeah, so he was a rookie. Wow. He was, yeah. One fumble recovered. (laughs) 
So there you go. James um, Carpenter was on that team. Also, this is just a, a good little nugget. Again, emphasizing the importance, especially for this year's Seahawks team. I, I feel strongly they're, they're not going to win this game unless they win the turnover battle. And obviously, Pete's history is indicative of that. In the Pete Carroll era, the Seahawks are 58-13 and 13 when winning the turnover battle. And this year, it's been more important than ever with less wiggle room defensively. The stops aren't there as often as you'd like. And remember, week three, they stopped giving the ball to Zeke. Zeke was running all over that defense. Yeah. I mean, all over it. Yeah. Obviously, it's a different team now than it was then. Um, and they had just come off of two really physical road games uh, to start the season. But, I mean, if you're nervous about something, I think it's about Zeke and what he might do to you defensively. Any Dallas Cowboy running back, Julius Jones, give me the creeps. He killed Seattle when he Marion was Marion Barber. Not as much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think it's time to remember when. Remember when. It's time for Remember When on the Game Plan Podcast. Nothing to remember. Let's move on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, Seahawks, Cowboys, We let's just start with the regular season, week three, and just these two teams looked different. I mean, Brandon Marshall got six targets in that game. And Amari Cooper wasn't playing for the Dallas Cowboys, which is the team that he currently plays football for and gets paid. <laughs> My point is, teams look a lot different, but it was a significant moment for Seattle getting their first one of the season. It was. It was a big-time moment, and they won somewhat comfortably in that game, too, um, as well. I think they won by, what, 10? Was it 10 points? 24-13, yeah. 20, okay, so 11 points. Uh, no, they did not see Amari Cooper in that game, though they did see him just a few weeks later in London. They did. Kind uh, of saw him. Way different situation. Yes, yes, of course. I think he was But at least they saw him. They did. Yeah. They saw him and they waved they <laughs> at the very least. How about the end of 2017, Christmas Eve last season in Dallas? Very significant game in Seattle Seahawks history in the sense that, one, they won the game 21-12. to They eliminated Dallas from playoff contention that day. They stayed alive for playoff contention that day. And after the game, Earl Thomas chased down Jason Garrett and said, come get me. Come that, get me. Was that also the Justin Coleman pick six? It was the Justin Coleman pick six, Where he jumped six, into yeah. the, uh, Salvation, the Salvation Army. Army. Yeah. That's a, that was a big moment, though, in a big game for the Seahawks it was. last and year. Again, controversy afterwards. You're right with the Earl Thomas situation. Man. Dak Prescott has not played well against the Seahawks, by the way. His worst pass rating against any opponent has been against Seattle in the two games he's played. Yeah. One, I think one touchdown, four picks. It's not going to get any better. Um, how about in 2015, Seattle went to Dallas again and beat the Cowboys 13-12. to You remember who was playing quarterback for Dallas? Did you see this? Was this like Kellen? It was Matt Castle. Matt Castle. <laughs> was this the uh, Tony Romo season where he got injured? Yeah. Where he was out with his back injury? I believe so, yes. I do not. I can. I, I'm fully... Prepared to admit, I do not remember one bit of this game. I was, uh, yeah, it was an un, it was a forgettable game, first of all. But I was at somebody else's house. I was at a housewarming, I think, trying to watch that game. That was tough. Um, twenty fourteen. There we go. Fourteen was the game they. That was the Romo game, the third and eighteen to Terrence Williams. Damn it! That play still makes me angry. Give it away! Give it away! Give it away now! Brutal. 30 to 23. And to start that game, didn't they have like a blocked punt for a touchdown or something? Seattle? 
Yeah. I feel like right out of the gate, like opening possession. I feel like they did because the TV broadcast got to the game late. Yeah, like right as the touchdown like happened. Baldwin blocked it, didn't he? I don't even remember who blocked it. All I remember was that I thought it might have been like, was McDaniel maybe? Recovered it? I'm trying to remember because you're right. The game, it got to the game late, but like it got there right as Seattle was running it in for the touchdown or something. It was like bedlam. Blocked by Doug Baldwin, recovered by Mike Morgan for a 25-yard touchdown. Yeah, Baldwin <laughs> blocked that crap. That's amazing. Great prop bet. Well, first score Doug, of the game. <laughs> first score of the game. First block point of the game. Uh, that was that 2014 game. Yeah, that was tough. That was, that tough. was a very frustrating game. But Dallas got to... Uh, five and one with that win, and ultimately um, would be the NFC East champion. And then were they the two seed that year? No, they were the three seed, I think, because they had to play Green Bay on the road in the divisional. Yeah, that year. Oh, okay, yeah, because they lost in the divisional. Yeah, off of the the no catch Des Bryant play. Exactly, but they beat the Detroit Lions at home in the wild card. And also, a, remember that was that was that the was that the that was the pass interference. The, yeah. Pass what a weird freaking year for the playoffs that was. Well, that's the thing, man. It was, um, where was this? Defensive holding, I think it was, was the call on a third and seven. I can't remember, but it was a very controversial call. And there was that game, and then it was Cowboys-Packers, super controversial. Then it was Packers-Seahawks, crazy. Then it was Seahawks-Patriots. Every single round had something. And if every single NFC team lost by freaking heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And then, of course, you know, I think Russell played him again at home his rookie year, 2012. Beat the Cowboys. Yeah, because it was the Golden Tate block on Sean Lee. Yeah, that was awesome. That was, I think, Russell's first win. Yeah, week two. Because it was after the Arizona game. First win for Russell Wilson was against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So will this one. And then going back further, of course. Going back further, I think, you know, is is one of the greatest postseason memories I have. And I just watched this game on YouTube again this week in full, <laughs> and I finished it this morning. <laughs> That's how nerdy I am for this time of year. But it's the 2007 January, but 2006 season. Seattle wins the NFC West. Tony Romo is the quarterback for the Cowboys for an injured Drew Bledsoe most of the year. Was he a rookie? Or I think he was like second sec- year. Second year, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, a really good football game. Crazy fourth quarter, including Seattle um, going in front. Or or they're down 20-13 to 13 in the fourth quarter. They turn the ball over on fourth down at the one-yard line. They, Cowboys get it back, throw it out to Terry Glenn. He fumbles on a forced fumble by Kelly Jennings. Lofa Tatupu spins it behind his back in the end zone to keep it in play. Michael Boltware recovers for a touchdown. They review it and see Tatupu's foot is out of bounds, so it's a safety, not a touchdown. <laughs> Seattle gets it back, scores a touchdown, misses a two-point conversion. It's 21-20, to and Dallas gets the ball with four minutes left. They go all the way down, and then on third down and like seven inside the 10, they throw it to Witten. Tatupu tackles him a half yard short of the first down. So they have to kick a field goal from about 21 yards out. And uh, Tony Romo uh, pulls a Tony Romo. Do you remember this game? Do you remember this game? Of course. I remember what I was thinking in this moment. 
Let's listen. So if you're Parcells, I mean, you're, you're almost compelled to go for the field goal. You he have to, to kick the field goal. Seattle had to take a timeout. Once the, the play was reviewed by Walt Anderson, the clock was going to start again. So Holmgren had to take the timeout. So Seattle is now out of timeouts. Now you have to try to take the lead here with Gramatica. In effect, a field goal the distance of an extra point. Then, with a minute and 19 seconds, minus what this play takes, Seattle will get the ball, and all they will need is a field goal to win the game. And they've got the best clutch field goal kicker in America this year in Josh Brown. Meanwhile, here's Gramatica. Romo holds. 19-yard field goal attempt. By Romo, and then Romo's going to run to the end zone, and he's going to get tackled by Jordan Babineau. Amazing. Unbelievable. How crazy is this? There is nothing automatic in football. Well, I guess Shivers is still thinking about that moment to this day. What were you thinking? I remember watching that play, and as it was happening, I remember thinking, oh, my God, he is going to convert this. He's going to score. Tyson. He's going to score. All he He's... needed was a first down, to yeah. be honest, which yeah. was a half yard away. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I, I thought, though, he was going to get in the end zone. Yeah. And Babineau freaking kind of comes out of nowhere from behind and gets him. I. Man, what a Back moment. of Romo's heel hits Babino in the face mask and like, boom, you see the head jerk back. You're like, ouch, that hurts. But thank God. <laughs> thank God, man. I lost it. I could not believe it. Yeah. Did you? I had a similar reaction to Blair Walsh's field goal miss. You you think about it. Two of the best, you know, playoff wins for Seattle are just divine intervention. The Romo drop and the Blair Walsh miss. I mean, we say this team is snake bit, no question, but. Damn, they should have lost both those games. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you could argue. I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still think the Super Bowl, like, there's no divine providence on this team. Except for the quarterback, of course. <laughs> Gosh. Man. <laughs> He's speechless. I am. I. Seattle's been in, I mean, a lot of insane playoff moments when you think about it. They have indeed. Like, think about the their, their first ever Super Bowl run was like the most boring thing that's happened to them in the postseason, arguably in their history. They like, were so dominant in those games. They were, and then the Super Bowl was controversial, but not a very close game in the end. And I don't know. You're right. They've had a pretty wacky postseason ever since. They go on to lose to Chicago in overtime. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. What a game, though. Beating the Cowboys, too. Mm -hmm. Just... Feels so much better when you beat a team like the Cowboys. Beating Parcells, Miles Austin had a kick return touchdown that game. Yeah, pretty amazing. All right, um, let's get a pick on this game at the end. Let's quickly though pick the other uh, NFC and AFC wildcard games, starting with the Colts and the Texans in Houston. Boy, I'm I'm so back and forth on this. So back and forth. Houston one and a half point favorite. I really want to take the Colts. Um, The over-under is 48 in this game. 
Wow, I thought it was a little higher. No, it's it's forty eight in this game, which is still the highest total of all the of all the games on the board. So maybe this is, will feature the most points. You got two great quarterbacks, but what I keep coming down to, Houston has all their important players healthy: DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, JJ Watt, and Jadavion Clowney for a playoff game. That never happens. Like one of those guys is hurt sometimes. Um, I think they win this football game barely. I do too. I think they win. The home field, I think, matters in this one as well. I think it's going to be a good game, though. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. I'm really excited. I never thought I'd say I'm excited for an AFC South team uh, playoff game, but mm-hmm. I'm going to watch this one for yeah. the first time in a few years. That'll be at 135 <laughs> on ESPN ABC. Sunday morning, Chargers and Ravens. I've been back and forth on this one, too. Back and forth. And Baltimore, two-and-a-half-point home favorite. Gosh, I, I'm, I'm picking Baltimore to win this football game. Chargers have to travel back east. For a morning game. We know how West Coast teams have done traditionally in those scenarios. I'm still going to take the Chargers. I The Chargers are my Super Bowl pick from the AFC. Wow. I think because if they get past the Ravens, I think that I would argue they're the, the best team left. Yeah. I, I really do think that. Um, so I'm going to pick the Chargers to win this game. And in the nightcap, Boy, Eagles, Bears, it's Chicago minus six and a half. Uh, Again, it could go either way. I could see this being a close game, but I've started to worry about Nick Foles' health. He's going to get hit a couple of times in this game. He's got some rib stuff. I'm going to take Chicago to win. I'm going to pick Chicago as well. They're just, I don't know, man, something about defense in the playoffs, and Chicago's defense has been so dominant it's hard because Trubisky, do we still really know what he is? I mean. No. I mean, look, to be honest, Chicago offense, we have a positive perception of it. It's 20th in DVOA. It's pretty forgettable. It is what it is. Matt Nagy's got himself a good team, but this team is defense and um, their defensive coordinator. Yeah, their defense is so good. I just don't see how the Eagles, who, I mean, it's easy. They've played so well as of late. It's easy to forget all of the deficiencies that they had for a lot of the season, especially offensively. I don't, I don't see them scoring a lot on this Bears defense. So I've got all home teams winning except for Seattle-Dallas. I think Seattle wins this football game, and to be quite honest with you, I do think... Wow. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to anyway. I think there's a scenario in which Seattle blows out Dallas. I don't think there's a scenario in which Dallas blows out Seattle. Um, Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson will win this game for the Seahawks, and there will be a couple of deep balls to lock it in Baldwin, David Moore, that will win this game for the Seahawks by a final score of 24-17. Gosh, we have been in sync this season. I was going to go 23-17, Seattle. I think they're going to win this game as well. I don't think there's a good chance for a blowout, and I think we're going to be biting our nails. I don't think it's a good chance. Game. I think there's a chance. Yeah, we'll probably be biting our nails. But I would agree with that. Uh, just the deep ball factor. He throws such a good deep ball. Dallas susceptible in the back end. A couple of those hit. And look, you look, you give me Russell Wilson over Dak Prescott. Ultimately, do it. Prescott's had a pretty good young career, um, but and he's really good late in games, much like Russell. <laughs> Like you don't, I don't really want Prescott to have the ball in the fourth quarter, down, you know, a field goal or something like that. That would make me very nervous because mm-hmm. he's very calm, cool, and collected in those moments. 
which is something you can't teach. And that sounds so damn cliche, I know. No, but it's true, though. But him and Russell are both so good at the end of football games. And that's one thing I think that's kept him in the starting position is how good he is late. I just don't think they have the the horses. And you give me Russell Wilson all day in a playoff scenario, primetime, Pete Carroll as well, give me the Hawks. 23-17? 23-17. Okay, I'll go 24-17. One dollar, Bob. I just went under you. by Love it. So you got all you got uh, Texans, Hawks, Chargers, Bears. I have Texans, Hawks, Ravens, Bears. All right, sounds good, Perkins. Hey, it's been a lot of fun all year. Have fun watching this playoff game. Yeah, you too, my friend. I know you're gonna lock yourself into a cave, um, put on some Enya, yeah. help you relax before the game. Enya, Yanni, mix. Oh yeah, of course. Um, you gotta go with Yan, the Yan yeah, man, and then Groban at halftime. And then a little uh, rage again, uh, post game. Rage against the machine. Rage against the machine? Yeah. Pocket full of shells. All right. <laughs> Let's get out of here. I'm going to go Limp Biscuit. It's just one of those days. <laughs> I'll probably be queen at that point. We are the chips. <laughs> All right. What's your theme music <laughs> at 102.9 The Game? He's Bob Brickett. I'm Judah Newby. This is the Game Plan Podcast, 102.9thegame.com.